The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. How would a dream, cowboys? Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast, where we recap and review each episode of the hit HBO sci-fi series Westworld. Today we're going to recap and review Season 3, Episode 3, entitled The Absence of Field, directed by Amanda Marsalis and written by Denise Tay. I'm James, and with me always is Ryan. Wow. Again, I, listen, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- I am trying my best to just to give you the reins here, James. I, I, w- I want you to own this moment. I don't know what's going on. All right, well, I never signed up to, to come up with a joke every week to introduce you. Okay, so right. we, are you saying that you're over? This is over. You're done with it? No, I, I, I just, you know, it's, it's hard when you put under pressure and art is not a commodity, right? Okay, well, I'm just letting you know that my co-host is James, but for this week, he would also like to be called the king of funk see not that hard all right a little bit different than what i was doing but that's fine how dare you wow this is this is the aggression that that i that one itunes reviewer said that they didn't like that one time so (laughs) your fault so this episode takes us back to the main storyline from season one and brings back denise tay who has written some episodes back in season one and two and then i think amanda marsalis is new to the westworld fold amanda marsalis i know her from directing episodes of the umbrella academy which is really good she also directed episodes of the reboot for veronica mars and ozark the uh, jason bateman vehicle and as you said denise tay which I, I honestly think you got right. I mean, I, I'm not the foremost expert on whether or not you got that right, but I'm going to say you did. She is also a producer on Person of Interest, which is a credit that comes along with many of the human beings who work on Westworld. She is on Gotham, Terminator, the Sarah Chronicles. The, the Sarah Chronicles. It's where it's Terminator, but it has a lot more to do with drugs. And Blaze at 420. And uh, she is the writer of a upcoming movie called The Defenders of Gao. And I definitely said that wrong. The Defenders of Gao? Yeah. A fast-paced superhero martial arts action fantasy. Three modern-day misfit gamers in NYC and their ancient Chinese counterparts mystically join forces across time and space to battle a dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to keep going. I'm not going to press C full summary. Wow. I mean, that sounds good, man. Uh, Color me. Eight dollars lighter, because I'll go see that in theaters. It costs eight dollars only to see a movie in Korea. No, it's actually more than that. I, I, I how much? What are like twelve dollars these days? Somewhere between twelve and fifteen, twenty-five to thirty. Once you get the raisinets and large soda, which is for for me, I need it. I need it. So we should say this now. We're going to front load this because nobody listens to the end of podcast. Yeah, our statistics said that to us. If you want to join our Patreon. Starting next week, you will get bonus content, two additional podcasts a month, once every two weeks. Plus, you will enter into our patrons-only Discord, 
where you can send hot memes to Ryan and I personally, and we'll shout you out at the end of the show. I want them lava memes. Our current patrons are Bacaman, Carol Andreas, Craig, Day 11 Westworld, John Jers, Lee, and Major Woody. You can go to Patreon, look up the Westworld podcast, and this is only $1, folks. $1, you get two extra podcasts a month. You get to listen to James and I bicker about how the king of funk and him telling me that I'm Lil Dicky is slightly different. And I'll be like, oh, how dare you? I'll say how dare you three, four times. You can hear me say that more times a month. All right. So that's our plug. But let's get right into it. This episode begins with Charlotte Hale, the the real Charlotte Hale, inside the park during the massacre of season one. Sending a message, having a message recorded through the eyes of a host that she wants to send to her son, Nathan. Right, as we pointed out last week, her son is Nathan Hale, named after famed revolutionary, also Nathan Hale. She turns on a robot, looks into the robot's eyes, and gives a heartfelt message to her son, believing that she is about to die. But as we all know, if we're on season three, she is not going to die in this moment. She will die just you know, later, just from a different robot-related incident. We get a different flashback where fake robot Charlotte Hale, probably Teddy, is waking up in the real world, having been put back together inside a facsimile of Charlotte Hale's body, host. There are so many who is Charlotte Hale theories on the internet. There are so many who are Martin. Uh, I You said probably Teddy. Yeah, could be Teddy. Martin could also be Teddy. But there's like eight more things Charlotte Hale could be. We'll go over it at the end because it is getting confusing. Next, we see a scene of Charlotte at the Delos headquarters being introduced to this massive big red robot that they had built for the purpose of riot control. So I guess this robot's job is to beat up protesters in the street. But they said that their Saudi Arabian financiers backed out after the park massacre, but they still have about 30 of these giant hulking robots built already. Perfect for Dolores and her future robot army. Also, the Rehoboam white and black circle before all of this is elevated scrutiny in San Francisco. Dallas's headquarters is in San Francisco, we learned. So we are living on two separate parts of California, north and south. Rehoboam being in Los Angeles and Delos being in San Francisco, where the robot army is, and Dolores currently is not. And this is the new and not incredibly improved Charlotte Hale. She is struggling to be within her own new skin, his or her own new skin. As Dolores brought her back online, she said, I need you because I trust you. So it is obviously someone Dolores trusts. Charlotte Hale sees the brain ball of Bernie and is like, why did you bring him back? He tried to stop us. Like, yeah, we all have a a part to play in this. And yours is to be very scared and sit in board meetings. Charlotte's meeting with the big red robot gets interrupted when another executive informs her that some mystery buyer is attempting a hostile takeover of Delos's stock. They've bought up a majority share, so they're preventing the board from buying all the stock and taking the company private. To be honest, I don't know too much about all of this corporate financing works. I've seen the movie Hudsucker Proxy, but that's about it. That's all you need to see to understand that if it took them this long to figure out that 36% of the company was owned by thousands of mini corporations, 
created by one dude, then someone deserves to be fired. Cutting back to where episode one ended, EMS arrives at the park and they pick up Dolores and put her on a stretcher. They ask Caleb if he knows her. He doesn't, but he wants to come with them anyway. However, the machines inside the ambulance are not able to pick up Dolores's vitals, see what's wrong with her, or come up with a treatment plan. I think I know why, James. Because she's a robot. It was just interesting that the EMS is like, okay, before we do anything, we have to WebMD this and figure out what is the right, correct thing to do. Obviously, it doesn't go very well because Dolores is a robot and they don't know how to treat robots. And Caleb jumps into action. He knows some combat medic type dealings and he starts trying to help Dolores out faster without having to ask the internet how to do so. The police arrive to try to pull over the ambulance, and Caleb checks his Rico crime app and sees that actually they're part of an active job where they've been told to kidnap Dolores. And so he knows that these are not police, but criminals masquerading as police. He steps outside of the ambulance, asks the police who they are to show some identification. They ask him to do the same thing. Immediately, it escalates to where... The EMS driver in the vehicle gets shot. Caleb tackles one of the assailants. Dolores still laying down on the stretcher. It goes from a active medical incident to a active crime scene. I sh- we should say that the, there's a lot of like goons and and henchmen in this season so far, and they're just great at casting these henchmen. They're really good. They're all big, scary, mean-looking dudes. Who somehow, when they are put into a fight, you know who they might be? They might be Delos guards who don't have their jobs at Delos anymore because it all kind of crashed and burned. So they're good at looking scary and mean and formidable right up until the fight where they die very easily. One of them gets into a tussle with Caleb, who's trying to reach for his gun. The other one approaches Dolores in order to grab her, but she's hidden a scalpel and apparently whatever treatment, minor treatment Caleb was able to do for her helped out because she was able to stab him in the throat and kill him. And then she takes his gun and kills the other goon, commandeers their ride, and tells Caleb, like, you don't want to get involved with this. The less you know about me, the better, which is, you know, it's a very mysterious, tall, dark, handsome stranger thing to say it really was yeah you you don't want none of this caleb this is a dark dark path you don't want to go down as she killed those two rico agents caleb's face and demeanor and whole mood was oh oh okay at delos headquarters charlotte hale is testing out this weird mystery signal on her phone And as she's doing that, another executive comes up to tell her that they've identified the mystery buyer, and it's Serac, who is a totally anonymous mystery, world's richest man figure, which is very interesting backstory. He's the richest man in the world, and he controls everything, but nobody knows who he is. Right, but us as the audience, we know a bit about Serac. He's played by Vincent Cassell. We met him last time when he met Maeve and froze her. He is the silent partner of Liam Dempsey Sr., who also created Rehoboam. He has over 
300 trillion dollars like something like some an amount that is stupid he's the richest person in the world and he has figured out a way to over a, a large amount of time after being showed data from delos like two decades ago to buy them up slowly but surely all throughout this by the way charlotte is bleeding she's like picking at her own skin kind of just like trying to put her nail through her arm uh which isn't great as she heads home in her robot car, she plays around more with that weird signal. Arriving home, she spies that the lights are on in her apartment. Inside, she meets, well, the real Charlotte Hale's ex, Jake, and she immediately embraces him. I kind of got the feeling here, she's like, oh, who's this guy again? Fuck it, I'll just kiss him. Right. She just kind of wanted to step in front of any possible questioning that she didn't know the answer to. This is Jake, played by Michael Ely her ex, and he is mad because Charlotte Hale, or whomever Charlotte Hale is now, forgot their son, Nathan, and forgot to pick him up. So, not winning mother of the year, you robot. How dare you? Yeah, also just clumsy espionage. Like, you didn't even look into, do I have a family? Who who am I trying to be now? Right, De- did Dolores not tell her this? Did she not get a, a binder with her backstory that she had to memorize? Did she not even Google herself? You would assume someone like this might have a Wikipedia since they're a big, important person. Yeah, right, exactly. Or at least like a brain scan, right, that's in the library at Delos. Not enough information has been fed to this person, so she's just like, oh my god, I gotta cut this off of the pass with intercourse immediately. She goes up to apologize to Nathan and tucks him in, but the entire time Nathan is insisting that she is not his real mom and does not love him and that he longs to have his old mother back. Oh my god, yeah. He was like, you're not my real mom. And she looks at him like, oh, does he know? Is this Caleb's mom kind of deal thing too, where... She might know, but she might not. And he's like, you're not my mom. You don't love me. And and Charlotte looks at him like, oh, thank God. He's just being a sassy bitch. He doesn't know I'm a robot. Right. Very sad, very disturbing scene here where now this little boy's mother has been murdered and replaced with a killer robot. And it kind of makes you think like, oh, so yeah, Charlotte Hale did some bad things to robots, but I don't think it's necessarily known that she knew that the robots had feelings and and emotions and and were basically people. To her, they were just objects. And so, yeah, she didn't treat them with much regard, but she was also just kind of doing her job with what she thought were mindless automatons, and she died for it. It retrospectively makes you more empathetic towards a Charlotte Hale that we weren't empathetic with or for the entire time she was on screen. We were always just like, oh, that lady's a dick. I don't like that lady. And then you meet her son, which humanizes a dead person even more. I like it a lot. It's retroactively making me feel something for a character that's already dead. And as you said, Nathan laying in a bed that has sheets with the arrows on them, which you could infer is either like Ghost Nation arrows or the arrows from the beginning intro of the show when it turns from arrows to Rehoboam. So that's a nice little set dressing touch. And he eventually goes to sleep after saying, I want my old mommy back. Sad times. The next day, two executives tell Charlotte about the missing pearls, which Dolores smuggled out of the park. And they also tell her that there's an additional one, which belonged to Maeve, which is surprising information to Charlotte, which she did not know. Right. Because Serac stole it. Right. There is someone in there who most likely isn't Serac, is just also a part of Delos, high up 
an inside job that Dolores and Charlotte Hale are unaware of, which is a immediate threat. She calls Dolores and says that she can no longer wait and she needs to meet with her now. They end up meeting in the lobby of a fancy hotel. Charlotte is like having an identity crisis and freaking out, which is causing her to self-harm. So Dolores buys a room and brings her up to talk about that. The self-harm is interesting. As you might recall, I think the character in this show that is most famous for self-harm was James Delos, who wasn't exactly a original robot, right? He was a human copy into a robot. So it adds even less clarity to the who is Charlotte Hale, where now she might not only just be an original brain ball of a robot, but she could also be a human copy from the library downloaded into one of the brain balls it opens up the possibilities i don't know 100 more thousand so many more it's uh, very confusing so fake host charlotte hale feels as if she's being taken over by the real dead charlotte hale and that's causing her to self-harm dolores repairs her wounds and reassures her that maybe she's just getting too deep into character Charlotte Hale then warns Dolores about Ciroc. Dolores tells her she needs to find the mole, whoever's working for Ciroc in Delos, and kill them. And then also convince the board to outbid Ciroc to end the hostile takeover, which she'll need to enlist the help of an old friend. I believe we all assume that old friend is William slash the man in black, which is great because we're three episodes in and we haven't seen... The Man in Black, we haven't seen in the credits, it says, and Ed Harris, but we haven't seen Ed Harris, and we are about to be halfway through the season. Right, and no one's even said the name William. No, he's only been inferred to still exist, which, I gotta say, a little annoying, but that's fine. So, by the way, again, this is definitely Tessa Thompson's Emmy episode. She is racing towards that Emmy. She is cool, calm, collected, confident when she is in the boardroom with Brompton or she's being told that there's a mole inside of Delos. But when she is with Dolores, she is like a child. She needs Dolores. Dolores is like her mother. So it's it's very interesting and it's also just very much showing off the acting talent of Tessa Thompson. And now we have three episodes in a row, one that was Dolores's Emmy episode, one that was Maeve's Emmy episode, and now one that Charlotte's. I don't know if they wrote them like that, but it seems like they might have. Right. And what an interesting role that she has here. She has to act as a robot acting as the character that she used to play but then also act sometimes as just the robot, which might be her channeling Teddy Flood's character. It's, it's, it's showing a lot of range is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Seems generally difficult. So I'm just going to call this host Charlotte because we don't know who they really are. And for all intents and purposes, they've taken over Charlotte's life. So Yeah, I think that's the only way you can actually go the spider web of people and or robots and or brain scan into a pearl brain ball that it might be is too intense to do anything otherwise charlotte asks dolores if they can ever return to being themselves and dolores says that they will one day they lie down together in bed and dolores comforts her i think that might be a lie right like i think dolores doesn't know that for fact she's just trying to calm down what is ostensibly her child right and dolores if this is teddy has a bad history of lying to and killing teddy so (laughs) so i think this tracks caleb visits his mother 
to say goodbye. And again, she does not recognize him. She says, you're not my son. Echoing what Nathan said to Charlotte in the other scene, is that significant? Right. Is this his, Caleb, that is, mother's Alzheimer's? Or is it purposeful because the Caleb that we see now is not the original Caleb? Just like the Charlotte that we see now is not Nathan's original mother. Two more Rico goons show up to plug Caleb for information on Dolores, and he won't give it up, and so they abduct him. I should say I like these two goons. It's kind of like a Vegeta Nappa situation where one guy is small and the other guy's really big, but clearly the smaller guy has more cachet and is, is in charge. Right, the smaller guy, Estefan, and the bigger guy, Clyde. We met Estefan at least, perhaps Clyde, but I don't remember 100%, two episodes ago, where he was helping out with the rich guy going nutty in the club. By the way, haven't seen Marshawn Lynch, Giggles, and Ashes to Ashes, Lena Waithe. Haven't seen them in two episodes, missed them as well. Hope we get them in the possible fourth episode where... We get the man in black. A lot of characters I very desperately miss and want to see. And they, like you said, abduct him after threatening his mother, bring him to a building, and hang him over the side of it, which isn't great for his mortality. He still won't speak, and so they come up with another plan, which is to, like, to put a tiny drill up into the roof of his mouth to access his implant, which was I cringed at that scene because it was tough to watch. Oh, it was harsh. That was tough. That looked like it hurt. Even a Stefan said a specific line, which was, and we didn't bring any anesthetic. And I was like, you, you didn't have to say that. I could have understood pretty clearly that it was going to hurt what was about to happen to Caleb. They use accessing his implant in order to flood his body with adrenaline, which causes him to freak the fuck out. Meanwhile, across town, Dolores contacts Martin to get him on mission to ply Liam for some information on Serac, and also... Asks for like, oh, what's going on with this Caleb Nichols guy I just met? And he shows her a live feed of him almost being murdered. Dolores springs into action, as does George, the Delos robot who helps Caleb out on his construction site. I'm not sure exactly what transpired to make George know that Caleb was in trouble. Perhaps it was based on his implant turning back on maybe george just knew which would actually be interesting but george goes up tries to help it doesn't work out very well george gets just pushed off the side and crashes into the ground caleb's face watching george die was actually really harrowing and and tough to watch he had a true emotional connection to that robot that he worked with every day so pour one out for george Caleb's true rider died. Rest in power, King. It is sad. Uh, it reminds me of iRobot, which we reviewed back in the Robot Movie Club, if you want to check that out, when those, like, clunky, kind of old-fashioned-looking robots were actually the good guys. And this one, you know, as little as he could do, tried to defend Caleb. Yeah, and just immediately pushed off and killed. So sad. Sad, sad times. They ask him one last time to give up Dolores, and she's like, I'm right here, and she plugs both the goons kills them immediately which allows caleb to grab the tablet and turn his adrenaline back to normal we see flashbacks right before dolores takes over the scene of caleb's life he's in a mask with a gun in his hand he's holding someone's other hand he spills ice cream on himself his mom looks like she's leaving him as a child while he's sitting at a diner but then as you said dolores comes in fixes everything by murdering two more goons she's now murdered four goons in this episode 
Caleb has been scrubbed by the Martin bot that Dolores asked him to do. And Dolores is like, let's go. I'm going to buy you breakfast and walk you by the building where you didn't get the job interview. That same morning, Charlotte Hale is in her office when she is given the transmission that, that the real Charlotte sent out of the park from the beginning of the episode, which she watches. And it's her singing a bedtime song to Nathan that she hadn't had time to sing him the night she left but now wants to do this before she dies with this regret hanging over her. Very sad also. This is a sad episode. Yeah, for sure. It is a rendition of You Are My Sunshine, My Only Sunshine. And the message the second time was different. The one from the beginning and the one in the middle of the episode are two separate messages. Right, and and, and we see yet a third perspective towards the end. Right. So that could mean a whole lot of things. In most shows, that wouldn't mean anything, but not in Westworld, right? In Westworld, that means something very specific, where we're either in a different version of reality, we're in a simulation, we're in a mirror world, which we'll discuss later. And Jonah and Lisa told us season three was going to be more straightforward. Bullshit. Charlotte leaves the office to pick up Nathan. She receives another one of those staticky transmissions, tries to call Dolores, but it doesn't work. She then finds her son Nathan in the park with a stranger who appears to be a child predator. She sends her son away, strangles this man to death while monologuing about being reminded of her true self. And then after the guy's dead, she steals his dog and gives it to Nathan, which seems like a pretty... Clear-cut through line if you were trying to investigate this murder. Right, yeah. I mean, just find the dog. But, yeah, I think this is just a scene to let us know that the new Hale can be slightly likable after the last scene that we saw with Nathan where he didn't like her anymore and didn't think that she was his real mother. And also, by the way, she wasn't a very good mother prior as she didn't sing her son a song that he he just wanted just sing him the song. Singing the song. Right. And her ex, Jake, said as much as well in the other scene. He's like, you were always this way, aloof and and uninvolved. But now, perhaps Robot Charlotte can even be better version of Charlotte. I wish Teddy Flood was my mom. I think we all do, with that jawline. At the diner, Dolores orders Caleb his usual meal that he comes and eats once per year at this same diner. Caleb wonders how she has this information, and she then shows him a transcript of a conversation he had as a child on the day when his schizophrenic mother abandoned him in this very diner. She says your mother never returned. She was institutionalized for being a schizophrenic. You sat there for five hours. He says, yeah, becoming enraged about this entire process and... He says the waitress's name was Sarah. She gave me a strawberry shake to calm him down. Upset, he threw up all over himself. How do you know every detail of my worst fucking memory? And Dolores is like, it's Rehoboam. (laughs) Yes, Dolores reveals to Caleb that Insight's supercomputer records data from every conceivable piece of technology, which it uses to document, analyze, and predict the actions of every single person on Earth, which allows it to weave this enormous tapestry and predict the future. Okay. So I'd just like to pause here for a minute because, like I said, and I got, I was getting a little testy a minute or two ago when I said that Jonah and Lisa lied to us, but they did. They said that it was going to be a straightforward season. It's obviously not. We're being fed at the moment 
three separate videos that Charlotte Hale is watching. So there are mirror worlds and there are Rehoboam worlds that might be the mirror world. Right. And Maeve was already in a simulation. So now those are in play. Right. So yeah. Oh, we're on not on the different timelines, but we're in mirror worlds, which I would argue is as confusing, if not more confusing. So, okay, guys. So usually naysaying is like a lifestyle choice for me. It's an essence. It's my whole mood. And don't get me wrong, a good naysay fuels me. I love this show. It's in my top 10, even top 20 of all time. And television is my favorite, like, blanket. The blanket of a medium that I really, really enjoy. And I I, I want to keep liking this show. Even through season two, where it got a little weird. And then the first episode of season three came back. And I was like, yes, this is the show that I really enjoyed again. It's kind of even a better version of the show. Because Dolores is likable. And it's a spy show. And then episode two happened. And I was like, okay, we're kind of clawing ourselves back to a bit of the season two reality that I wasn't fully on. On board with and then i was like okay jonah and lisa told me they said they wouldn't lie to jonah and jonah daddy and, and lisa mommy would never lie to us and say to us that it's going to be not that complicated a straightforward story and then have it be completely the opposite which is what it's turned out to be so <laughs> westworld is good right most of the time, a lot of this episode even is good. So much of it's really good. And season two had a few why moments. And this episode had a few why moments. I mean, the episode two has a few like cyanide in someone's eye, dumb but okay moments, right? But I swear to God, James, if everyone is a goddamn robot in this show, if everyone's a robot in a mirror world, I'm just going to lose my shit. Thoughts? You can imagine how disappointed Ryan's going to be when he wakes up in a formless void and it turns out that he was actually in a simulation where he only thought he was a man named Ryan who was recording a Westworld podcast. Oh my god. A Westworld podcast inside of a Westworld podcast? Do you think more people would listen to it or? Well, it depends on whatever they're programmed to do. Oh. This is all a simulation. Oh. I hope more people are simulated to listen to this podcast. If, if more people listen to it, I think I'll be fine either way. Next, Dolores brings Caleb to a pier, the location where Caleb is predicted by the system to commit suicide in 10 years. Dolores also reveals that the system has totally written off Caleb as a result, as a lost cause, and that's why he can't seem to succeed at anything. He is being deliberately denied all opportunity. This is the same doc from a scene in La La Land, which is a fun fact that has nothing to do with anything, but still fun. His social score is 2.7, marriage not recommended, children not approved. His occupational score is 3.6, restricted to manual labor, restricted to little social interaction. It shows every major life event. It shows that he had a brain injury. It shows that he has PTSD. His cornerstone, maybe, perhaps, is that his friend, Kid Cuddy, died. It shows that he was in two recent relationships, one that he ended himself, and two, one that was going decently well, and then the system ended somehow. Which brings up a whole... <laughs> that sucks. Right. It sucks so much. It brings up a whole, like, okay, so we have the Logan character. Remember remember Ben Barnes, Logan, who was inferred that he died of a drug overdose? Did Rehoboam do that? Right? Did the man in black's wife who killed herself, was she projected for suicide? Was she forced into that because Rehoboam wanted it? Or because she wanted it? Is there any free will whatsoever in this entire world? Dolores tells Caleb that we're not so different, you and I. Okay. And off. <laughs> Whatever. And dude. offers. 
And she offers him a place in her revolution and her plan to disconnect Rehoboam. Feeling as though his old life is now over anyway, Caleb determines to join her as a final act of self-actualization. And I have to say, I thought, well, it's it's weird to me that, like, suddenly season three has now introduced this totally new conflict about Rehoboam. And now Dolores' character arc has now made her... Her main story is now defeating Rehoboam, which we didn't know existed until two episodes ago. And I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but it, maybe it would be more clear of a, like, connected three-season plotline if it was like, oh, I'm going to destroy Rehoboam as step one of my plan to unseat humanity and not like, I'm going to free humanity by destroying Rehoboam, which I just found out existed last week. Right. The throughway I need is how much of Rehoboam's existence and lack of free will in the real world did Ford understand? Right. Or, or is this connected to that at all? I hope. Right. I hope, right? Like, I know that Teresa and Lee were talking in season one about the outside investors who also care about what's happening in the Delos parks. Hopefully they were inferring that that is insight in Ciroc, that there's some way to tie in all of these things together. But I need to know if Ford knew about Rehoboam. If I don't figure that out at some point, if they don't somehow lace those two things together for me, then just like you said, they just made some new shit up and we're like, okay, jump on this horse. Isn't this a fun horse? Please do not abandon the character motivations of the first two seasons and the plot lines of those two seasons because that's that's what got us here in the first place. If if it was just going to be about robots versus supercomputers, we could have just started with season three, which is I wonder if that's what they're banking on, that many people are just starting with season three, which is a little unfair to to us who have been there since the beginning, right? (laughs) Yes, I feel jip. I feel like we are getting punished because they made season two suck. Right. And and a lot of people are like, I watched season two back and it wasn't that bad. Yeah, wasn't that bad. As opposed to season one, which was like masterful television. And then they half phoned in season two and were like, we just got to make season three a whole new thing. Which is what I'm, it's the, the trouble that I'm having with this show is that it's really good. There are some moments, there are some shots that are beautiful. There's Raman Jawadi is constantly making music that's so good. And the performances are amazing. So good. They're so good. We just had three straight episodes in a row where someone should win an Emmy for it. And then you get to this moment where Caleb is like, you know why I didn't tell those goons about you? Because you're the first real thing that's happened to me in a long time. And I was like, ah. Okay, that I think that line kind of sucks, and I don't think that's realistic at all. You should have just told them they were going to kill you. I don't understand what you were, why you were defending, why you were white knighting a girl you met in an alley last <laughs> night. But fine, and I was like, uh, and even like extrapolate that out. Is everybody a goddamn robot inside of a mirror reality? And did Robert Ford know about it? Answer me that question, or how dare you? <laughs> Or, like, is Robert Ford still relevant because nobody's talked about him and he was kind of, like, you know, the driving force behind Bernard's entire life. Pretty much Bernard's father and God, and he hasn't brought him up. Dolores is father and God as well. If Robert Ford's name is not said in season three, I just, I don't, I don't know what, 
Oh, I'm short-circuiting. I'm literally Johnny Five right now. Back in the Delos headquarters building, the fake Charlotte Hale watches the rest of the transmission that the real Charlotte Hale sent during the massacre, in which the real Charlotte Hale is tearfully apologizing for neglecting her son. Host Charlotte watches and weeps. On the way home, she plays the several staticky transmissions that she got all at once, which allows her to connect to Dolores. She says she wants to meet right now, but as soon as she hangs up, the robot car locks her in and does a Yui and starts going the wrong way. We see a great shot above the Golden Gate Bridge, and then Charlotte goes into a compound with a bunch of goons with a bunch of guns, and she goes in to meet Sirak. She is first greeted by Martel, played by Palm Clemente, the lady who played Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy that we saw meeting with Liam Dempsey Jr. and threatening him with death a few episodes back. She puts some glasses on Charlotte Hale, and Sirak, as Charlotte walks in, is like, you work for me, Charlotte, and I want the profiles, and I could predict what was going to happen in the parks, and I told you that it was going to happen. A song called Doomed by Moses Sumney comes on, which is a great song. And Charlotte is totally riffing this. She definitely doesn't know enough to get through this conversation. And she's just like, yeah, well, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. Oh, my <laughs> it, bad. Uh, it, de- it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a matter of opinion. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, she <laughs> was really, at all. really surfing this conversation. Sirak questions her about the mission which he initially gave her to bring him the guest's data from the library which the real Charlotte Hale had uploaded into Peter Abernathy. Sirach says that there is also a key to unlock that data, which is hiding inside of Dolores. Charlotte says that she is currently searching for both the data and the key, and Sirach says that she is running out of time to do so. At which point, it's revealed that he is a hologram, like Jerry's accountant one was in episode one, and he disappears. But unlike Jerry's accountant, Sirak being a hologram, I think, brings up more than one question, the most important of which is, is Sirak even real, or is he just a physical manifestation of Rehoboam? Inside a simulation. Right, inside of a goddamn mirror world. Fuck. So this episode was totally, like, carried on on Tessa Thompson's back. She is really killing it. This is a really interesting performance that she has to give, and it's a good thing that she did it so well. Otherwise, this episode might have been a little bit of a bust. Pretty weird episode. We're kind of back to the traditional Westworld format of following a few plot lines at once, but this was just kind of an A plot and a B plot. Um, usually, it's 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 similar to... Sorry to bring it up. Game of Thrones, where we have four or five locations with a few main characters in it. So this is just more like A and B with less machinations going on. It is more straightforward, but I don't. I think it kind of worked to its detriment, at least in this episode. N- not a bad episode, I thought. Just some things I didn't love. I don't, I don't love it if we're now abandoning Dolores' previous character motivation and it's now just her versus Rehoboam who, who I, I only just learned about two weeks ago. Do you think it's an overreaction to how many people hated Dolores in season two? Yeah, it's weird that what, so now she's a, she's a superhero and she's going to kill the supervillain that is Rehoboam instead of what her original plan, which is world domination. I, maybe they can find a way to merge these two motivations so that seasons one and two aren't just completely forgotten. There, I the The main problem I'm having right now 
other than all the problems that I've previously mentioned within the past 50 minutes, is that they're layering too many mysteries on top of a possible simulation overarching theme and mirror world overarching theme. There are to and honestly i i wish if they if they throw a timeline change at us i'm gonna light the world on fire so but you have to ask like is dolores hail is, is like dolores also might be hail right wyatt might be dolores is wyatt dolores is hail teddy is hail the uh machination of William, William, literally William's brain scan might be Hale. We don't know. There are so many mysteries that are right. nowhere close to being answered. And then they're like, and by the way, all of this and or half the scenes, some amount of the scenes you've seen so far definitely are happening in a simulation and you won't know until the end. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And what you and I had decided is that like when Dolores has an accent – that is the Dolores that we know from her loop and from her romance with William. And when she doesn't, that's Wyatt, like the crazy vengeful spirit. And at some point in season two, what they fused or or did they not? Is just Wyatt in full control now? Or she just stopped doing the accent because she was like, I'm over accents now. But yeah, will they even say Wyatt? Like, I think it's an interesting theory that Wyatt might still be around. Will they say Wyatt's name in the third season? Will they say Ford's name? Will they say Arnold's name? Will, and you know, listen, I hope the fourth episode happens next week and the man in black slash William slash Ed Harris ropes this thing back in and turns it around and grounds it because I think he as an actor, has the ability to do so. I'm sure it will be his Emmy episode next week. I, at least for the love of God, hope so. But it, right now, I think we're off the goddamn rails, and I need Ed Harris, the conductor of this train, without a Robert Ford to be the grounding force at all anymore to to bring us back to a reality that is both understandable and entertaining simultaneously. Or is it that Ryan and I are just nerds hung up on continuity? Do that could you be care? That could be Do it. Do you care about like the Ford Arnold stuff that's been abandoned? Are you just interested in now where they're going in the future? Let us know. That's a discussion worth having. That's also – it was it was a conversation that I, I was having which was like do – does our audience actually care about any of this? Do they care that they are – kind of just throwing away some things about previous seasons or are they just happy enough where it's a beautiful show with amazing performances amazing music and the new storyline is interesting enough so who cares i I don't know please answer us those questions so what crazy wild theories or ideas have you dug up for us this week ryan Mostly, it's just based around, like, we've been really, you know what? The weird part is that we used to have a theory section at the end, right? Where we wouldn't talk about any spoilers going up until the end so that the people who weren't interested in us kind of making predictions about the future, they didn't have to hear those and they could come up with them themselves as it was going. That is not the way it is anymore. We talked about them all, like, throughout all of this. Who is Dolores? Who is Hale? 
Who are the other brain balls? What is uh, give me Bernie and Stubbs back? Actually, I was like Bernie and Stubbs from last episode. This is a whole other thing, but like I need them back. They are a blanket that makes me feel warm and safe. And we talked about it all in you know in the two major questions: what scenes have we watched that are within a mirror world, within a simulation? Is Ciroc real? Uh, And the major biggest question: is everyone a robot, and do they not know it? Because that's very seems very viable at this point. So my my I don't know if it's a theory. My hope is that you know Sirach wanted the data of the library because it has critical information related to I don't know maybe the Man in Black, maybe Robert Ford, maybe Arnold, and there's some kind of discoveries or revelations that they made that is only available. You know, from their minds, we know that there is a perfect copy of Robert Ford in the library. And and so maybe he's holding on to some secrets there. God, I hope so. I just hope that there's any semblance of him. And you know, I, I hope also, by the way, that we get to the end of season three and we think it's better than season two. And our review of it as a whole will be, we didn't know where it was going there for a second, but it really pulled it through. As much as the as much naysaying as I'm doing during this episode, uh, naysaying that people might not care about and might be just like, no, Aaron Paul's murdering it. Tessa Thompson and uh, Evan Rachel Wood are like killing it every time they're on screen. It's awesome. This is awesome. Shut up, Ryan. Which I would understand fully. That's that's a sentiment that I can fully take in and and process. It's just oh god, you guys got to be vocal and tell us because right now I don't know. Hey, and we have some Twitter stuff. We have from at Andy Sachs. I'm only 12 minutes in. Wow. She already had a question at 12 minutes in. More power to you. We have to give it up to Tessa because that single tear cry was just a chef's kiss. Also, why didn't Dolores turn off her pain and get it together? It seemed like pain was her main issue when it can be easily turned off. That could explain this entire episode. Yeah, she tar- she turned it off a few times, but it was like, yeah, you know, let's let it ride for a little bit. Make her feel it. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, something that interested me was the idea of, like, turning up your adrenaline. That's what I when I think, like, let it ride and let her feel it. Like, that's, that's, that's what I'd like to do is turn up my own adrenaline or, you know, flood my brain with DXM or something. What's D? Is that a drug? Are you are you doing drugs? It's it's it well, it's it's it is it's, it's a drug, but it's produced in your brain naturally when you're dreaming or you have a near death experience, and it makes you trip out and see amazing things. It's a brain drug. Sorry, DXM, DMT. I think DXM is the active uh, the drug in cough syrup. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> one letter off from DMX, uh, the greatest rapper of a generation. No, I meant DMT. Don't don't abuse cough syrup. That's bad for you. No. But yeah, I would just flood my brain with DMT. Can I just? Uh, can I abuse and or you know, attack myself with too much DMX music? <laughs> I'm sure that's possible, yeah. Well, as long as X is going to give it to me. I needed to Google for that joke. You, you didn't know that, that that song was a DMX song? I forgot. I'm taking too much <laughs> DMT. <laughs> Drinking too much cough syrup, which will cause you to trip out if you drink an entire bottle of cough syrup. Don't do it because it's not a good trip and it's bad for your brain, but it will happen. Thanks to DXM. Sam behind me was like, isn't that lose your mind up in here, up in here song him? Wouldn't that be more applicable? And that is true. <laughs> Y'all gonna make me go all out. Up in here, up in here. 
Y'all gonna make me act a fool. Do you know the song, James? I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. When are you gonna stop? All right, so if you are just listening, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter. He's Westworld Ryan. I'm James Watches Men. Hilarious. Uh, Hashtag gold. You can, send, you can send us an email at thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. You can give us a nice review on whatever podcast app that you're listening this on. And again, if you want to kick us $1 a month, you get access to our Patreon benefits, which include our private Discord chat just for patrons and our exclusive bonus content, which is going to start next week. And uh, we will shout out your name at the end of every show. Which, uh, or maybe at the beginning now. Maybe we'll or, front load your names. Well, I, 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 you know, as, as lovely as our patrons are, I, I, I think the, the end of the show is kind of like the credits, right? And they deserve to be credited. Right. I mean, we don't have sponsors for the show. So I'll say again, the sponsors of the show are the patrons, Bacaman, Carol, Andreas, Craig, Day 11, Westworld, John Jersley, and Major Woody. By the way, I didn't know what the absence of field, the name of this episode meant at all. It's a Mark Strand quote. In a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. Do you have feelings about those words I just said? Yeah, I, I hope to one day understand them. Yeah, I feel the same way about this season of Westworld. So yeah, the announcement for our exclusive content just for our patrons is coming soon. If you want to hear that, kick us a dollar, and you can also talk to us on Discord and send us all your hottest coronavirus-related memes, which is just all that Facebook is anymore. It's only, that's all it is. Although, I will also be fine with Animal Crossing memes, because that is my life. And join us here next week when we recap and review Season 3, Episode 4, entitled The Mother of Exiles, directed by Paul Cameron and written by Jordan Goldberg and Elisa Joy. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. That was a very wholesome way to, to say the title. Yeah, it's like a children's show, but hosted by Denzel Washington. <laughs>